All right, so we're going to continue in our series, Back to the Basics, or the Building Blocks to Living Well. And today I've titled the message, Beware of Friends Who Would Deceive You. You know, last week we talked, of, we talked about false prophets and teachers who would deceive you. And as I was studying this week, it occurred to me as I was reading this, I didn't read this in a book, I was just looking at this through the Scripture and making notes and letting the Holy Spirit speak to me, and it, it occurred to me that, you know, sometimes when we think of false teachers and false, false prophets, we think of somebody way over there, or somebody on television, somebody we don't know, somebody that's not really in our life. And then I started looking at some of this, and I started thinking, you know, some of the things that I see in here, or what some of our friends sometimes, or the people close to us, are advocating in our lives. You know, and I, I mentioned it today in Sunday school, but, you know, you, you can have a good old country boy, you know, that, that, that's, that's a friend to a lot of people. He's just a good old boy, but he could be a deceiver. He could be someone that deceives you. In other words, telling you, oh man, you don't have to be in church. You don't need all of that. You know, you just be a good old boy and at the end of the day, God's going to take your good works and they're gonna, he's going to put them on scale and they're going to they're gonna, um, outweigh your bad works. God sees your heart. You're a good person. You're good just the way you are. You don't need all that Jesus stuff. And you know, we go around and we never think of that person as a false teacher, but yet they are. And they're deceiving us. So that's why I've titled it today, Beware of of Friends, or Beware of People in Your Life, Everyday People, Who Would Deceive You. Now, in verses 1 through 9 of 2 Peter chapter 2, last week we dealt with some things. So what I want to do here is um, we're going to read verses 10 through 19, then we're going to do a review of verses 1 through 9 real quick. And we learned some things about those false teachers. And so we pick up kind of right in the middle of Peter. And let me just say this. 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm telling you folks, is is the most concise, direct, to the point treatise or chapter or letter that you could ever read about what false teachers are, their motives, who they are, what they look like. I mean, it's right there and Peter just goes all in and he doesn't spare laying out everything that they are that's why i had seven main points last week and three minor points last week because he says so much about them and it's so important to know what they look like so we're not deceived and so verses 10 through 19 a little bit more of the same we're going to look at it from a little different perspective so let's stand together second peter 2 verses 10 through 19 And we pick it up right here where he's talking about these false teachers. And he says this about them. He says, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. This is where I came up with the idea of friends. People in our circle sometimes. People in our life. How many times, how many people do you know who who maybe have corrupt desires of the flesh, they're living ungodly, and they despise authority. They don't want to listen to anybody who has any kind of authority. And it says here, bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings. 
when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They're like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. I mean, good grief almighty. Peter is laying it out on them and calling them for what they are, right? I mean, look at what he's saying here. This is amazing. You know, sometimes we think that we can't speak the truth, but here, you know, with, you know that we have to kind of and not really say the right thing. But when Peter is talking about these, I'm not say the direct thing, I should say, Peter, when he's talking about them, he's being very direct and he's saying, here's who they are, here's what they do, here's what they look like, here's what's going to happen to them. Whew, man. An accursed brood, he says. They have left a straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Now, we're going to talk more about this part of it next week, about Balaam. These people are springs without water, and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is revealed, is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. There's a lot to unpack here. We're not going to unpack it all today. We'll unpack some. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us not only to understand what's being said here, but how this affects us. and Why is this important for us to know? And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So real quick, last week, we talked about false prophets being exposed, and we laid out seven things about them in verses 1 through 9. We said false prophets are among us, false teachers. They have a secret destructive agenda. They ultimately deny Christ and His truth. Their conduct is depraved, ungodly, contrary to the Word of God. They will gather a large followers of people oftentimes. They're motivated by greed, and their teaching is made up of lying stories. And then we said this about, about what's going to happen there. We said their destruction is coming, but our salvation is protected and our God will rescue us. What's to keep us from these very dangerous people? So what I want to do today is I want to focus on friends that deceive you. Because again, I said it just a moment ago, if we just focus on false teachers, we think it's somebody way over there that doesn't have any influence on us. But they're all around us. And we can learn something from all kinds of people. And there are all kinds of people all around us who have their own religion. They might call themselves Christians. Some of it might be called the good old boy religion. Some might be, be, you know, hey, you can live a certain way, but yet go to church. There are some people that believe that, that 
active homosexuality is compatible with, with godly Christianity. And it's not compatible. It's not right. Just like living in adultery is not right. It's sinful. It's not compatible with the right living of Christian living. And there are false teachers all around us who say, hey, some of those things are okay. And some of us have friends that believe some of those things and believe that all those things are okay. And you and I need to be very careful that we're not led astray or deceived by them. So first of all, I want you to see this. Friends that deceive you, the first thing that I see here is that they have no morals. And in essence, the Bible says they're always partying. They're always reveling. Even in the daylight, it talks about that. In verse 13, it says here, uh, their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. It's no longer something that's done late at night in the evenings when nobody can see under the cover of darkness late when everybody's in bed this stuff is being done out in the open now you know we were talking about it today in sunday school but do you realize that rural america right now is under severe attack you know what kind of attack is coming at rural america rural america right now is under an opioid time of destruction as well as meth and amphetamines and all of that you go to all these little towns around florida and georgia and alabama and all these places and you talk to any law enforcement and you talk to any sheriff deputy over there and they will tell you that people in rural areas are being destroyed by meth and drugs and opioids and on and on and on and whole communities are being destroyed and it's happening in the daylight, in the wide open. Guys, could you put up my first point, please? They have no morals, always partying. There we go, thank you. Always partying. It's always a party. It's always, let's do this. Oh, boy. Well, look at there. At least I didn't fall off the stage. We're okay. You just leave it. We can deal with it later. It's just water. So we're, we're fine. Just don't come kneel there after, okay? Or, you know, if, you wanna, if you're proud of your humility, it's an oxymoron, come over here and kneel and then say, look at all the tears I shed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they have no morals. Now, do you realize you've got people all around us that, um, <clears throat> you know you're going to distract me. Okay, hang on. Is there any water left in that? <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> I get in my way all the time. Um, we live in a world, guys, where th these people are all around us. I I've always, often told my children, and I tell a lot of people here when I do premarital counseling, I tell them, you're getting married. You got some friends right now that you hang with that do not have the same values that you have about marriage. Beware of who you hang around with. You see, they look the part. They might even go to church. But their intention is not to be faithful to their spouse forever. And their intention is not maybe to, uh, 
to, to, to live a, a, a life that, that you live. And, and I'll just tell you, the other thing too, is that be careful of people that can't stand their marriage. These are people that don't have any morals. Be careful who you are with and where you go. All right? So friends that deceive you. Thank you, Rachel. I'll put this where I, hopefully I can't kick it, okay? How about right here? Let somebody else spill it. Um, number two, friends that deceive you, they are arrogant and ignorant while thinking they are smart. Arrogant and ignorant. Look at what the Bible says here in verses 10 and 11. It goes on and it says they are bold and arrogant. They are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. They think that being a friend of the devil is a good thing. Well, me and all my friends, we're going to have a great time in hell. I remember when I was a teenager, we had some buddies that um, <clears throat> claimed that they saw the devil one night. But here was, here, here was, here was the little uh, bit of information that, that they failed to tell everybody after they had been smoking marijuana for a while. And so they went behind an elementary school in the woods, and they, after they would smoke their joints, they would look up at a certain tree, and there they would see the devil, and they were excited about seeing the devil. Hey, let's get together and smoke some doobies and smoke some blunts, and let's go see the devil. It scared me to death. I don't want nothing to do with that. You talk about ignorance playing with stuff that they have no idea about. It's ignorant and arrogant while thinking they are smart. Isn't that amazing that sometimes when people get under the influence of alcohol that they become the smartest person in the room to themselves? But everybody else knows they're arrogant under the influence, and they're very ignorant. Keep that in mind. Listen. <clears throat> Just because somebody says something in a certain way and they think they're an expert in that area doesn't make them so. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Bill Nye, quote, the science guy? Do you know he does, he's not a scientist? He's got an engineering degree. He's not a scientist. He's not. And he speaks as though I'm supposed to listen to everything that he says and, 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 and like he's got the answer to the world's problems. Even smart people can be ignorant. Number three. Friends that deceive you, they walk away from straight living. They walk away from straight living. Look at what verse 15 says. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer. Balaam, and I'm going to go into a lot more detail maybe next week about this, but Balaam was a so-called prophet of God, but he refused to listen to God. And... 
believe he was being paid to go speak a prophecy that God told him not to go do, and his donkey talked to him and basically told him, I'm not going over there because I see the angel of the Lord standing with a sword, waving that sword around. You can go, but I ain't going. He was a prophet of God, and he walked away from the straight living. Be very careful not to follow people who aren't living according to the book. Be careful. Be careful that you don't take what they say, hook, line, and sinker, because they're in your family or because they're a friend or somebody you've always known. Especially those that walk away from straight living. I'm not talking about people who from time to time struggle like we all do. And I'm not even talking about somebody who maybe for a moment, you know, struggles with some things and has some issues. I'm talking about people who have walked away from Christian living from the right way and are living totally contrary to the Word of God, totally contrary than the way they used to live. They've walked away from the way they used to live. They've walked away from what they claim. They no longer live it. They're no longer doing it anymore. And those are the people you need to watch out for. It's not just false teachers who live like that. Our friends, our families, our co-workers, people that were our best friends at one time, perhaps. They walk away from straight living. The Bible says they are empty inwardly. Verse 17, number 4. They are empty inwardly. It says here in verse 17, these people are springs without water. Springs without water and misdriven by a storm. They're empty. See, all that they experience in life is the flesh. It's the satisfaction of the flesh, what they can get out of their life, partying all the time. What, fe- what, what, what you know, if it feels good, do it. And they might talk a good game, and it might look real pretty for a little bit in their talk, but on the inside, they're empty. They have nothing to offer you. They don't have any depth in their heart or in their soul or in their life. When times get tough, they change. And they fade away like the wind. Empty inwardly. Number five. I'm telling you guys, this is so true. They always appeal. Always appeal to the sensual, the sexual, the lustful desires of the flesh. Always appeal to ungodly living. Verse 14. With eyes full of adultery they never stop sinning and they seduce the unstable they're experts in greed and a cursed brood look i know when i was unsaved and particularly the last year or two before i got saved um you know almost 18 years old 17 man every day that i lived i wanted to sin and do all of what i was doing i wanted to do my thing my way not listen to authority not do what the bible said live the way i wanted to live eat drink you know 
be merry, have a great life, do my thing my way. Always sinning. And when I read that this week and really spent a little time in it, I thought, man, what a picture of the way my life used to be. Your whole mind is consumed with the next sinful thing you can do. It always appealed to the sensual, to the sexual, to the lustful desires of the flesh. Be careful. Connecting with people that are like that. Number six, they enslave people in depraved living. Kind of goes along with, with what we just said. They deprave people in, in enslaved living. Um, Verse 18, I mean, they enslave people in depraved living. They'll get people to come alongside of them and be their buddies. And those people will become addicted to the lifestyle that they themselves are. I know this is an old illustration, old saying, but it's the age-old thing. Teenage guys pursuing this girl. And maybe they're, we call it dating today. They're boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever you want to call it. He might even, under the guise of Christianity, be going to church with her. She's committed to Christ. He says he is. They start to get closer, and then all of a sudden, he comes up with this, and he says, well, you know, you know, I mean, we love each other, and you know, you know what the next step is, and, uh, and she's like, no, I don't, I don't believe that's right, I don't feel that that's right, and I want it to be a special moment, like on our wedding night when we get married, and boy, they're nowhere close to getting married, and he says something like this, well, you know, if you love me, you will, that's what he says. And after a while, days, weeks, whatever it is, she might finally give in. And then she finds out that he really didn't love her. Because he got what he wanted and he's moved on to the next one. And now she becomes enslaved in depraved living. And number seven. I want to end with this. Number seven. People are slaves to what masters them. Verse 19. It says here, They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Whatever has mastered them, they're slaves. Now, I'll give you several examples. I'll give you a simple example of something like, like this. Over the years as a pastor, I've had people tell me, I, I've heard every excuse in the book as to why people have missed church. Listen, I wanted to give some of those excuses. And I've used one or two in my life in the past. But those excuses reveal what masters you. I, I'm not kidding. We had a lady who used to come to church here years ago. 
And I guarantee you, she'd probably come about five times a year. But boy, she wanted to be involved. She wanted to be a decision maker. She wanted, she wanted to know what was going on. She wanted to have her say and how this was spent and all of that. But she would only come five or six times a year to church. And I guarantee you, she had more relatives that came in unannounced on Saturday night that she had to stay home and cook for than any person in the history of the world. Because that's what she would always tell me. Hey, I hadn't seen you for two or three. Oh, Aunt Susie came last week, and the week before, Uncle John came, and then this one and that one. And, I, and I finally one day I told her, I said, you know what I do when family comes? I said, it's only happened a couple of times in my life that family showed up unannounced on a Saturday. And you know what? Because they know us well, listen, they know what that means. We're going to church on Sunday. You can come. We'd prefer you to come. If you don't come, go get a hotel. <laughs> Stay in our house and eat our food and not come to church. And Anyway, we can go on and on. You say, well, how does, listen, the person that always has an excuse, there's something that's mastered her. There's something more important to her than fellowship with other believers and doing what God says. That's one example. What masters you? People are slaves to what masters them. Um, it's like addiction. It's like anything else. There's something, a bad habit in your life that you have engaged in that's that's If you don't give it to Jesus, it's your master. Somebody's going to be your master. And you're going to serve somebody. I'm going to serve something. I have to decide who that's going to be. And ultimately, friends that deceive us lay out for us all these tasty morsels that look good, but when we ingest them, they kill us a little bit at a time. We had a man that used to come to this church and he had an issue with alcohol. And, you know, somebody who's under addiction, there, there are many, many ways to deal with that. You know, I, the first way I try to approach that is, look, we're glad you're here. We want to show you a lot of grace and a lot of compassion and a lot of love. But it's not okay to keep living that way constantly if it's going to ruin your life. And so we've had Celebrate Recovery. We've had different kind of ministries and programs to help all kinds of people. And, and, and there are two kinds of people, basically, in those situations. Now, you just think about this. I know people who are not even Christians who have been addicted to, to subs, the substance abuse in some kind of way, whatever it w would be, and somehow, some way, they got clean. Now, I believe that a Christian, he has the power within him, or she has the power within her. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. They've got an extra power to overcome it. But there's something in a person 
who overcomes addiction that's different than those who don't overcome addiction. And at some point, you have to decide that you're tired of something being your master. And I told that young man, at some point, this is over years of having a relationship with him, I said, brother, you're, you're at a... You're at a a flashpoint in your life, you're at a crossroads. And either you're going to get victory over it and decide, or it's going to master you and it's going to destroy you. At some point it will. There's another man years ago that used to come here. And this is kind of disgusting to talk about, but he had a serious issue with pornography. Serious. A long time ago. Very serious. His wife knew all about it. She struggled with him, with it. This man, if you knew him, you would, you would never in a million years think that he had perversions like he had. Pr- pretty sick stuff. And it got so bad that in men's ministry that Our men were trying to have a Bible study one night, and he, I, I guess he was just full of demons or what have you, and he just started interrupting and started, I mean, he became a problem. And, and we finally told him, you can no longer come to this meeting if this is how you're going to behave. And then he started all of his excuses and had another man from our church with me in there, and we told him this. We said, my friend... If you don't turn this over to Jesus, it's going to cost you. It's going to master you and it's going to cost you. Within two weeks, he committed suicide. He's a former veteran. And myself and another man in this church, along with his wife, took his remains, his ashes in an urn, and we buried him at Florida National Cemetery. And I'll never forget as we we literally put it in the ground. They they have a, a little square, little hole. You've got this little urn, square urn. And I remember kneeling down in my suit And along with his wife, we put that thing in the ground. We watched him cover it up. And I thought to myself, it mastered him. And it didn't have to. It got him. And he had all the life waiting right there the life change, the power of God. He had it all there. He knew it. And he had all the prayer support. And he had it right there. But he made a choice to continue to be mastered by those demonic things that were destroying his life. What you and I serve, that becomes our master. 
And we need to be very careful that we do not allow our friends, our family, any others to speak things into our life and to lead us in a direction that's not truth for us. And it may require you taking a stand against a very close family member. Not You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be hateful. But you've got to be like Joshua. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. It's to the gods that your fathers have served on the other side of the river. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is how we're going to live. See, when you get to a place in life where you don't care what other people think about you anymore, you really don't. People's opinions of my decisions, and I'm talking about my godly decisions, decisions that are based on the Bible, based on the truth, and based on Christian principles. If somebody laughs at me, if somebody thinks I'm wrong, if somebody thinks I'm out of my mind, it doesn't bother me at all anymore because I've lived long enough to know that that's Satan talking through them and Not that I'm right, but that He is right. And I'm going to attach myself to Him and trust Him. That's the way I'm going. I'm going to live by truth. Just because somebody says it doesn't mean it's true. What's true is what God says. Just because a preacher on TV says it doesn't mean it's true. Just because a small country church preacher like myself says it doesn't mean it's true. Just because, you know, somebody else says what's true is what God's Word says. That's what I have to build my life on. And upon what Jesus has done for me. Beware of those who would deceive you. They're all around us. They want to deceive you when it comes to financial decisions. Be careful, man. Be careful. It's like Dave Ramsey says, you know. You know, I hear people all the time. Oh, well, you can't, you know, you, I got to have a good credit score. And you know your credit score is based on your indebtedness and your ability to pay back. What about the person that never gets into debt and pays for everything with cash? That's not me, by the way. I would love that to be me, but that hasn't been me over the years. Do they have a great credit score? You know what? A guy like Dave Ramsey, you know what his credit score is? Zero. And the world says, well, you got to get in debt so you can get a good credit score. Do you realize what the Bible says about debt? The Bible says that a, that, that a debtor, a, 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 a borrower is a slave to the lender. You know you are, right? I was looking at my 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 uh, credit union sheet on um, on my truck note, and uh, looking at you know finally I'm finally starting to pay pay good principal now on it okay, but you start looking at the interest you may you're paying, paying some serious money in interest. You realize that? Whew. And that's true. You're buying money from someone else. People, people say something like this. Well, if you rent, you're throwing money away. No, you're not. Listen. No, you're not throwing it away. You're, listen, you're paying for a roof over your head. 
Now, you don't have any equity, but, you know, as Dave Ramsey says, broke people shouldn't own a house. You know, when you rent and the air conditioning breaks, guess who pays for that? The person who owns it. You own the house. It's, under, it's in your name or you're still making a mortgage payment on it and the air conditioning breaks. Guess what? Guess who fixes that? You. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is that if you broke, you can't fix your air conditioning. That's all I'm saying is that beware of people who would deceive you. Listen to what God says. Follow Him. I'm not saying don't buy a house. Of course buy a house if God leads you to do it. And that's a good thing. It's a good investment to have and, and so forth and so on. But let's be careful. Careful of those around us that would lead us astray and deceive us. Do what God says for you in your life. Trust Him. You say, how is this about the building blocks of living well? Because without truth, you can't live well. You can't live right. You can't live strong. Beware. Beware of those people out there that are partying and look like they're having a good time all the time. Beware. You know what my kind of party is? Coach, my kind of party is sitting on a porch in the morning. For you, it might be a cup of coffee. For me, it's a cup of coffee with cream, lots of cream. Listening to the birds chirp, opening the Word of God, letting God speak to your heart, being calm, not being rushed, having to do anything. Man, that's my kind of party where God speaks to you. The Creator of the world is dealing with you. Another kind of party I like is every Sunday morning. This is happy hour, not Friday at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, or 7 o'clock at the World of Beer. Party hour is on Sunday morning when the God's people get together. We don't need any drugs or anything like that to get us jacked up and high. We got to say who lives within us that's the way to live and we come together our brothers and sisters in christ and you can be feeling lower than a dog on that sunday but somehow some way you you're 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 destined or you're strong enough or you're disciplined enough to drag yourself out of bed and that the day you don't want to come to church is the day you actually need to be in church and you end up coming to church and that day that you're feeling so horrible you come to church your brothers and sisters encourage you you hear a message from god you sing praises to the lord and somehow god cleanses your spirit and you're able to face monday like no one else because you came to happy hour Sunday at church. Yeah, it's our happy hour. I need it. I look forward to it. The alarm went off this morning and it was still dark outside. And I was like, oh boy. But as soon as I got up, brushed my teeth, started getting dressed, took a shower. I was like, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to church today. Happy hour, coach. Don't let them deceive you out there. A lot of what the world says makes you happy. It doesn't. I always want more. More, more, more. It's never enough.
Jesus is enough. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us not to be led astray or deceived. Not only by pastors, teachers, our culture, but Father, those close to us, those who would call themselves our friends. That's not to say that we can't trust friends, but we verify our friendship based on your word. We know that we have some friends that are not where we are spiritually, and that's okay. But help us to know the difference. And I don't know how this may have spoken to someone else. It's been a tough two messages for me, God, to preach. I like to speak on a different subject, but this is where we are. It's where you have us. I pray that we'd be aware the messages that are being sent to us all around us. We know what the truth is. We'd stand on that truth. Guys, if God has spoken to you, I just want you to obey Him. It's just us here today. I, I, I just pray that you would have victory, that you would find peace and joy and happiness in your walk with Christ. That's where it's at. If you've looked in other places, my friend, listen, come to Jesus today. Come to Him. He is that drink of water that you will taste of and you'll never thirst again. I don't know how God's speaking to you, but if He has spoken to you in any way, and you need to make a decision, you need to make a commitment, you need to publicly give your heart to Christ, you need to come to this altar and pray, I encourage you to do what He says to do. So Lord, we thank You, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As Miss Marcy, praise team leads us, you, you do what God says.